Well, everybody, welcome to another week of Scriptures Revealed, and we are continuing our journey in the awesome book of Ephesians. And I'm hoping that you all are continuing to enjoy this podcast. I thank you all for tuning in every week. Our subscribers numbers are climbing, and I really am honored and humbled that so many of you have decided to listen to me every week, share the word of God. It is something I am indeed passionate about. It is something that I believe in its power and its ability to be transformative. I believe in the power of the word of God. The Bible says that God sets is so honored uh the Bible says that God sits his word in such a place of honor that it is forever settled in heaven. It is a settled thing. And I thank God that he's given me the awesome privilege to read his word, to meditate on his word, to study his word, and to share his word with all of you listening. So again, thank you all for joining me. Don't forget to share this and continue to uh, share this with your friends and your families and your social networks. I am always excited and delighted when I see any of you repost something that I've said on the podcast and tag me in it, I get great joy out of knowing that you all are allowing the word to take root in your lives and in your heart. So don't forget to do that. Continue to leave me ratings on the iTunes uh, podcast store. It is helping out tremendously. It is getting it out there in front of the eyes of people that may not have seen it before. So I really appreciate the ratings. I really appreciate the reviews and I appreciate all of you for being committed to allowing the word of God to change you may not totally change overnight may not be moving as fast as you want it to move but I promise you that the word of God is changing you I mean it's just like uh, my old pastor I uh, used to say uh, over and over again that if you have a filthy room and you got clothes everywhere, socks everywhere, uh, just things all over the room and it's a mess and you feel like it's going to take you forever to clean it up. If all you do one day is pick up a pair of socks and put them in their right place, you are one step ahead of where you were in cleaning that room. And the word of the Lord is just like that. I don't care if you feel like the word of God in you is doing nothing but picking up a pair of socks and putting them in their right place. The word of God is putting you one step ahead of where you have been. So you are progressing. You are moving forward. You are not lagging behind, but the word is working in you. And it is up to you to allow that word to have its perfect and complete work in your life. So again, I'm delighted and glad that you all have decided to join me. Now, we are going to get ready to embark on chapter three of Ephesians. Last week, we covered um, a part of verse one. one and, and Ephesians chapter three, and I didn't quite uh, exegete the verse as much as I wanted to, but I wanted to bring us all to the feet of the Apostle Paul and help us gain insight into how Paul walked in victory. That was really my heart last week, is that I want us to see something about the way Paul looked at himself, because I want you to remember this, the way you see yourself is going to determine how well you progress in life. Say that to you again. The way you see yourself is going to determine how well you progress in life. 
See, God wants us to learn about him and he wants us to come into a greater knowledge of him. And that is what the word of God is doing. And that is how the word of God is causing transformation in our life. But God wants you to see him because it is in seeing him. You ultimately find yourself that when you are on a search and a discovery to learn you, to discover you, to disclose you, to unwrap you and all of your goodness. And in order for you to really wrap your mind around that, you've got to get a clear picture of the Lord. But when you get a clear picture of him, you're going to gain insight about who you really are. And it is how you see yourself that is going to determine how well you live this thing called life and how well you walk out this thing called destiny and how well you steward this thing called purpose. And so it is important that you gain a right perspective of you. And so I think it was important for us to take a look into how Paul saw himself. You you know, you ought to Think about all the great men in the Bible and look at how they viewed themselves. I mean, you can look at Paul and you looked at, uh, he saw himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He saw himself as the chiefest among sinners. He saw himself as the least among the apostles. And yet this man has given us the bulk of our apostolic messages in the new covenant. And so how Paul viewed himself kept him in a place of humility and yet it kept him in a place of focus and it kept him in a place of progression. And so it is important that you learn to see yourself the right way. And last week, that's what I endeavored to do is to help us see ourselves the right way. Now we're going back into Ephesians 3. And we're going to do some uh, exegetical work here. We're going to unlock some things. And I believe I'm going to help show you something marvelous about your purpose and your destiny today. So uh, we're going to jump right into the scriptures and get to work so that I do not run out of time. So we're going to go into uh, Ephesians 3 and we're going to cover verses 1 and 2. Uh, and I know it's going to seem like we're going to fall off a cliff at the end of verse 2. But it's because I want to pull something out of these verses that I believe is going to empower us and inspire us, encourage us, and motivate us to be all that God has called us to be. So uh, again, Ephesians chapter 3, the entire book of Ephesians is about the gospel. Let me just say that right up front. The entire book of Ephesians is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But when you get to chapter 3, it's almost like it narrows in and it gives you a synopsis of this gospel message and the mystery of Christ. Paul called the gospel the mystery of Christ. And so we're going to unravel that as we continue to journey through this particular chapter. But we, I want us to remember, because I feel like I haven't reminded you guys in a while about the whole aim and goal of Ephesians, is that again, Paul was writing this letter to safeguard this church's love walk with the Lord. He was trying to safeguard their love walk because Paul warned them in the book of Acts that in this particular church, there's going to come wolves that will come and and and, and just go on a rampage in this church. And then we get to the book of Revelation and Jesus rebukes this church for forgetting her first love, that they're doing the right things, but they're not doing the right things from a place of falling in love with Jesus. And I believe that's very, very easy easy for the church to slip into is to slip into a place where you are doing the right things because you know these are the things you're supposed to do but they're not producing the the type of effect you think it should be producing but it's probably because you're not doing it from a place of being in love with him and so the book of Ephesians is helping us fall in love with Jesus safeguard our love for Jesus and bring us into a place of maturity because we are in love with him and so that is the whole aim and the push of this book. So let's go ahead and begin our journey through chapter three. Now, 
let's see, I'm reading out of the King James Version this week. It says, verse 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, Ward. Now, I know that seems like, oh, that's a nice intro to a chapter, but these two verses are loaded. So let's get to work. All right. Paul begins this chapter saying, for this cause, I, Paul. What is Paul talking about? For this cause. For this cause. I'm going to give you a hint about something when you're reading the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is almost like one long, breathy uh, discourse that Paul is releasing to them. So there are a lot of times where you think it's a whole chapter and really in the original language, and in this case, the Greek, it is one long sentence. We discovered that in chapter one when Paul went through the, the spiritual blessing. And he went through the kingdom naturalization process in chapter one. We learned that chapter that verses three all the way to verse 14, I believe it was, was just one long sentence in the Greek. Well, we're about to encounter that again in chapter three, that if you look at verse one in chapter three, it starts out with for this cause. And then he goes on and on and he begins to talk about the mystery of Christ. But if you jump all the way down to verse 14, you see that same phrase in verse 14. It says, for this cause. So what is that is giving us a hint to the fact that verse 1 to verse 14 is one long uh, sentence. And what is happening is from verses 1 to 14, it's almost like Paul puts these, these sentences in parentheses, that he's uh, taking a break to kind of fill in some space here uh, and fill in some uh, loose uh, spots here so that you can gain a fuller picture of what he's about to say. So we are moving towards the prayer that Paul is going to pray at the end of this chapter. We're moving towards that prayer, but he backs up and says, for this cause. What is Paul talking about? Paul is saying, for what cause? For everything that I just taught you guys in chapter two. I just taught you guys something very powerful in chapter two. And Paul saying is because of everything I just said in chapter two, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm a prisoner and I'm, and I'm going to teach you all something about the dispensation of the grace of God that's been given to me. But the reason why is because of what I disclosed in chapter two. So let me give you a quick synopsis of what Paul revealed to us in chapter two. He revealed to us, Paul gave us three distinct pictures in chapter two. And I'm just going over this briefly so that we can all stay on the same page. In chapter two, Paul gives us number one, he gives us the picture of an alienated humanity. He gives us a picture of an alienated humanity, a, a race of people that are separated from God. He shows us that we are dead in our trespasses. He shows us that we are dead men. You know, he preaches the gospel to dead men and he talks about how we were all dead, separated from God completely. And then he gives us the picture of a peacemaking Christ. He gives us a picture of a peacemaking Christ. He shows us that not only were you dead, but there is a Messiah. There is a Savior. There is a Deliverer that has come on the scene to bring unity between you and God. Unity between you and God. And then the third thing Paul preaches to us in chapter 2 is that he shows us God's new species. He shows us God's new species. He says not only did Jesus Christ come to bring peace between you and God, but he came to bring peace between you and the Gentile or you and the other nations. Because remember God's original intent. I want you to remember this part. 
when whatever God's original intent is, he's always going to go back to it. I know we like to send, send our lives on detours and we like to take pit stops and we like to do all of this stuff. But if you read God's story, you're going to always find that God has a way of coming back to his original intent. You do not, I, I, now I feel that, that I need to encourage somebody this week to come out of regret. You will die in regret and you will miss purpose regretting what you think you miss, what you think you lost, what you think you overlooked. And it's, and it's very important to learn the lessons from the past, but it's dangerous to live in a place called regret because God knows how to get us back on target. He knows how to get his original intent out of your life. He knows how to do it. He knows how to do it. I don't care what is going on. God knows how to get his plan across and ultimately accomplish. So he says, I'm going because his original intent for the nation of Israel was that he wanted to use that nation as a doorway to the nations of the world. He wanted to use Israel to show the world that this is what it's like to serve Jehovah. This is what it's like to serve Yahweh. This is what it's like to surrender your life to him. And this is how he takes care of you. This is how he looks after you. This is how he sets the, par- the parameters and the boundaries for your life. This is what it's like to serve God and and God wanted to make the other nations jealous of his relationship with Israel but the problem is that Israel became uh, uh so boxed in and so locked up that they didn't want anybody else to be a part of it which is why you see breadcrumbs of this even in the Old Testament God teaches them how to treat the aliens and how to treat the the foreigners and how to teach those who do not belong to them and what to make them a part of but it's because God was trying to remind them hey I didn't call you all out so that you could be separate and stay away from everybody. I called you out to be an example. I called you out to be a template. And so what Jesus comes on the scene is he comes in and he says, hey, remember God's original intent was to make Israel a template and was to make Israel the example. God is coming back to his original intent. Now I'm going to take everything that I use Israel to demonstrate, to showcase, and to disclose. I'm going to open it up for the nations. I'm opening it up for the nation. So you know what? I'm going to let Peter have a vision on the rooftop because I'm now trying to open it up to the nations. I'm going to hijack Paul who could have been a Pharisee and could have lived his life terrorizing the church, but I'm going to hijack him and make him an apostle to the Gentiles because I want to open up the nations. God, all God is doing is getting back to his original intent. So no, the church does not replace Israel. The church gets grafted into Israel because Israel was meant to be the template. And so if you get into this whole uh, discourse about who replaced who and who's more important and who God loves the most, you're missing the point of what God was trying to do. God is not trying to make one group better than another group. God's not trying to replace one group with another group. What God is trying to do is what he's always tried to do is use Israel to open the door to the nations to come to God. That's all God has ever tried to do. God has never tried to create uh, racism and prejudices and, and to make us think that we're better than them or to make the Jews think they're better than the Gentiles or to make the Gentiles think that because they now belong to God that they're better than the Jews. No, we are all one new race, one new species of people. We are part of God's new society. So Paul says, in light of this, in light of all of this, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to show you something glorious about this prisoner that I didn't get a chance to show you guys last week. 
Now, so what Paul shows us in, in uh chapter three here in verse one, he says, I want to show you something that a prisoner, that word prisoner, it means a person confined because he has been convicted or accused of a criminal offense. Now, that's the first part of this is a prisoner is a person who has been confined because he has been convicted or accused of a criminal offense. What is Paul saying? Paul saying, I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And you know how I end up being his prisoner? You know why I ended up in this place is because in the kingdom of God and in the nation of Jesus Christ, I was accused of being a criminal. How was I a criminal? Because that is what a sinner is. A sinner is a criminal in God's world. In God's world, he calls criminals sinners. He calls them sinners. And Paul says, hey, I realized that I, because I didn't have Jesus, I was dead. And because I didn't have Jesus, I was a criminal. And th- and if I li- was left to myself, I would have stayed dead. I would to have, I would have had to pay for my crimes. I would have had to live out the punishment that was assigned to me. I was accused of being a criminal. But the Lord Jesus Christ offered me a way out. He offered me a way out. And the way out was, even though you are a criminal, Paul, you can live and you don't don't have to die if you will become my prisoner. And I want you to be a prisoner of mine. I don't want you to be confined by sin. I don't want you to be confined by death. I don't want you to be confined by the kingdom of darkness. I want you to be confined by me. Now watch this. Another interesting part of this word prisoner was that it also meant binding as with a spell binding as with a spell. So watch this. These type of prisoners, they were confined and they were confined because they were accused of a criminal offense, but the way they stayed bound was done by a spell. Now, let me help you something about a spell. If you go and you look at the root word of the word spell, you're going to come and realize that the word spell means message. It means command. It means doctrine. It means discourse. Okay, it means message, it means command, it means doctrine, it means discourse. It, uh, that's why we, where we get the word gospel, gospel, gospel it is that is you take the two words apart, you have gospel, and that word means good, it means good, it means good. And then the end part of that word gospel or gospel, it means spell, it means message, it is good, it is a good message or a good doctrine or a good discourse. Watch this. What was Paul saying? Paul was saying, I have been confined because if it wasn't for Jesus, I would be bound in hell, in prison forever because of the crimes I committed against the Lord God. I was accused of a crime, but the Lord Jesus offered me a way out by saying that I could be his prisoner. And being his prisoner means I am no longer confined by sin. (laughs) I am no longer confined by darkness, but now I am confined by God's spell. What is God's spell? It is the gospel. It is the message of God. So now what is confining me and what is dictating my life is not my feelings. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. I got a little stirred. (laughs) It's not my feelings. What is is confining me is uh, not the cycles of my bloodline. What is confining me is not my last name. Now what is confining me? is the gospel. So now I live and I breathe and I have my being in him because I've made myself a prisoner, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. It is the only way I know how to live. It is the only way. Paul said I would be dead if I wasn't a prisoner. I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ and what is binding me to him is the gospel. 
It is the gospel. That's why Paul said, don't yield the members of your body to sin anymore. Yield them to the gospel. Yield them to the gospel. That's why Paul says, flee fornication. You're not, you don't have to be bound by that anymore. You are bound by the gospel. Put away lying away from you. You are bound by the gospel. And so now, because I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ and the chains that are binding me are called the gospel. It's called the spirit. It's binding us with the spirit. It is the discourse of God. That's why the Bible says that every man, we are to live by every word of God that proceeds out of his mouth. Every word of God, every spell of God, every message of God, <laughs> every discourse of God. God, every doctrine of God, I'm living by it because the word is my lifeline. It's how I keep my sanity. It's how I keep my emotional stability. It's how I keep my focus. It's how I remain content when I want to be further ahead than I am. It's how I remain thankful and grateful by looking at the past rather than living in a place called regret. I'm able to do it all because I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ and what is constraining me and what is binding me and what is restraining me is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I've got to know the word. I've got to know its power. I've got to know what Jesus taught. I've got to know the teachings of the prophets and the teachings of the apostles. I've got to know the word because it is the, it is the power of the word that is going to keep me bound to Jesus Christ and bound to living my life fully surrendered to him because my only other option, if I'm not a prisoner, then I'm a captive of hell. If I'm not a prisoner of Jesus Christ, then I reduce my life to being a captive of hell and all of its resources and all of its agents and all of its assignments. So the gospel is for the criminal. (laughs) The gospel is for the criminal. If you ever committed a crime in God's kingdom, there's good news for you. (laughs) If you've ever been born and shaped in iniquity, there's good news for you. If if without Jesus, you will be sentenced to a life in hell, there is good news for you. It's called the gospel. It is called the gospel. So watch this. You've got to understand that Paul was saying here that for this cause, for every for the gospel that I'm preaching to you, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. He said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I'm bound by the gospel, but I'm doing it for the nations. I'm doing this for the nation. There are nations that are waiting on you. I know uh, have many of you may have heard that before. There are nations that are waiting on you. And if it's not nations, there are a people that are waiting on you. But you will never get to your people unless you first become a prisoner. All right. So we got to wrap our minds around that. So Paul says that we move over into verse two. It says, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you. Now, I've got to pack all of this in, so y'all need y'all to track with me. This verse starts out, says, if you have heard, what it really says is, for surely you have already learned. For surely you have already learned. Paul is Paul is not saying uh, if per chance is I don't know if this is no. He's saying I know you guys have already learned about the dispensation of the grace of God that's been given me. Now I want to walk you through this thing about grace. Grace is this. I'm going to make it so so simple for you that when you look at grace, if you go through the scriptures and the epistles, you're going to constantly find. 
Paul making statements about uh, we need to minister according to the grace given to us. And, and, and everybody has a measure of grace. And that Paul says, I did this out of the grace of God that was entrusted to me, the grace of God. So watch this. Grace is the wellspring by which the gifts of God flow. Grace is the wellspring by which the gifts of God flow. I don't care what the gift is. If the gift, salvation, let's talk about salvation. Salvation is a gift, but the wellspring that salvation comes out of is called grace. Healing is a gift from God, but the wellspring that healing comes out of is called grace. Your purpose is a gift. Uh, Please hear me. Your purpose is a gift from God. He gave you a purpose as a gift. Your purpose, your destiny is a gift from God. But the wellspring that that purpose flows out of is called grace. It's called grace. Now, what is grace? Grace is the goodwill of the Lord towards a person. It is the goodwill of the Lord. Let's break that down even more. Grace is not only good. It is the liking of the Lord so much so that he favors the recipient with gifts. It is the liking of the Lord so much so that he favors the recipient with gifts. That's why grace has nothing to do with your works. Because God, he just, you know what grace is all about? God just so happens to like me. (laughs) God just so happens to like me. There's a scripture, if I had time, I would take you over into Chronicles that talks about how uh, David, that the Bible says about David that God liked him. God liked him. What does that mean? Is that David found favor in the eyes of God. David found grace. When you look at Noah, the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyesight. What did Noah find? He found that God liked him. Why did God save you? Not not because you deserved it, not because you earned it. God just so happened to like you. God likes you. He really wants the best for you. God is not out trying to get you, trying to destroy you, trying to wipe you off the face of the earth. No, he likes you. And that's what grace is about. It is the liking of the Lord. And you know what? I begin to study that word grace even more. And you know what? The grace of the grace of God is like the charity of God. It's like the benevolence fund for those in need. If you have a need, God has a benevolence fund called grace. (laughs) So if you need strength, then grace is the benevolence fund that God uses to give you strength because you don't have it. That's why the Bible says that he gives grace to the humble. Why? Because grace is God's benevolence fund. The benevolence fund is always is always set aside for those in need, for those who don't have. That's why you've got to humble yourself to receive it because you've got to admit, I don't have it. You know what, God? I don't have the wisdom, so give me grace. I need to. I need wisdom to come out of the benevolence fund of heaven called grace. I I need that grace. Grace is free because it's out of the benevolence of God. It is out of the charity of God. God has a charitable organization and it's called grace. <laughs> that's why the Bible says that Jesus was full of truth and he was full of grace. And that's why when Jesus walked and he was ministering all day, the Bible says he looked over the multitude and he was moved with compassion. What was happening is that he started pulling out of the benevolence fund of heaven. He was started pulling out of that grace out of that grace. And so he fed the multitude, not because they deserved it, because they were going to be the ones that yelled crucify him. So he didn't do it because they deserved it. He did it because he had pulled out of the charity of God. 
It was the charity of God in demonstration. When Jesus cast out devils, it was the charity of God in demonstration. When Jesus healed the sick, it was the charity of God in demonstration. And Paul is saying, God has given me possession of a part of his benevolence fund. And my whole destiny and assignment is to manage the benevolence fund that God has given me. Because he has given me a benevolence fund for a group of people. And I'm, that is what I'm trying to get over to you today. As he said, uh, uh, you have heard of the dispensation or the stewardship or the administration or the management of the grace of God that's been given to me, but has been given to me for you. And my friend, listen to me. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you are. If you are listening to me, you have been given access to part of God's benevolence fund. And I'm telling you, it's not cheap. I'm telling you, he's not low on funds. I'm telling you, he's not lacking. But your whole purpose, your whole destiny is that you have been called to manage the part of God's charity, manage the part of God's benevolence fund that he has assigned to your life. Somebody is in need somewhere. (laughs) And Paul found the people that were in need that his fund could meet their need. Paul says, there's a fund on the inside of me and it's called grace. But he says, there's a benevolence fund on the inside of me and I need to find everybody I can, everybody I can that has a need that my fund can meet. That's purpose. Paul said, that's destiny for me is that I am going for the nations because the I have on the inside of me it has been entrusted to me the responsibility of managing, of stewarding, of administrating a measure of the benevolence fund of God for you because you are in need. And guess what? I've got the benevolence fund you need. I've got it. And my job is to manage it. My job is to steward it. My, so Paul says, hey, when I'm teaching you the word, I'm not just teaching you to teaching you. I'm managing and I'm stewarding the grace of God in me. I'm stewarding the benevolence fund in me. I'm doing it because somebody that's listening to me is in need. I'm telling you what I am doing even on this show, even on this podcast. What I'm doing is stewarding and managing the benevolence fund of God on the inside of me. Because all of you that are listening are in need of something. You You are in need of progression. You are in need of transformation. You are in need of clarity. It is a part of the call of God on my life. Clarity and transformation. So what I do when I teach, when I pray, when I preach, when I prophesy, I am managing the benevolence fund of God in me to meet your need for clarity, to meet your need for transformation. That is my purpose. That is how you find your purpose. That is how you find your destiny. What is the fund, the benevolence fund that God has put in you that he has called you to manage well to meet the needs of a people? Man, that is what Paul was saying. So let me read these verses to you again. He said, for this cause or for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles or for you nations, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word it's been given to me for you you've been called to manage the grace that's been entrusted to you it's grace it's god god likes you <laughs> you know why you're saved god likes you you know why you got a purpose god likes you you know why you can be healed god likes you all of the gifts of god are going to come out of that wellspring called grace come out of that wellspring called charity 
come out of that wellspring called the Benevolence Fund of God. Learn to manage the grace that's been entrusted to you because it is how well you manage that grace is going to determine how well you live in purpose and destiny for your life. Well, guys, I am out of time. I'm over time, but I wanted to be sure to pack all of that in for you today. Thank you all for joining me for another week. Thank you all for tuning in and go back and listen to this again until you are on fire to be a prisoner, until you are burning with passion to steward and to manage the grace of God that has been entrusted to you. I am excited about what we are learning and what God is doing in our lives. So don't forget to share, share, share. Uh, leave comments on your uh, social network. Tag me in them. I love to read them. I love to see what you're saying and what you're gleaning and what you're learning from uh, about the book of Ephesians and how you're even falling more in love with Jesus Christ because that was the whole aim of the apostle with this book. So don't forget to share. Don't forget to leave your ratings. Don't forget to leave your reviews and don't forget to continue to allow the word to change and transform your life. So I see you guys next week. Same time same place for scriptures revealed. God bless. Mm-hmm.